Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Kyle Clay Richards, and welcome to Underdog Mentality. It's the sports podcast where we tackle unique topics by looking between the numbers at the human side of the game. Man, life has been crazy lately. I'll tell you what, I've been traveling so much, and, you know, woe is me. You know, <laughs> that, that I made that sound like a bad thing. It's actually great that I got to travel so much this year, but it's finally winding down. I'm finally able to get some weekends to chill at home, be productive on my side projects and all that. And it's really great to look forward to. I can't complain too much. But with all that being said, and the winter, you know, sadness setting in, you know, with all the cold weather and staying inside and zero sunlight, I started decided to start uh, going to the gym again. Yes, again. You know, we all go through those phases, I feel like. But I'm trying to be serious about it this time. I've got a Monday... Wednesday, Friday routine started where I get up super early and go to the gym. My excuse has always been that I don't have time for it. So if I wake up early, you know, when I'm not doing anything besides sleeping, I feel like I'm making time for it in a very positive way. So no more excuses. And in some other really cool news, next week's episode is going to feature our first guest on the underdog mentality. We're going to be talking to a guy named Kenneth Giles. He's the CEO and co-founder of Symbol. You may have heard me talk about this in previous episodes, but Symbol is a stock market for sports that allows you to buy and sell virtual shares of sports teams, just like the stock market. You know, that's all the rage right now. Every time a team you own wins a game, you'll have the opportunity to earn a win payout. The best part is if a team you own loses, you don't lose anything since your investment holds value. Symbol has blended the stock market and sports to create this new form of entertainment that allows users to profit off their sports knowledge. And I think that's a pretty cool concept. It's very unique. It's one of one. And I get to have Kenneth on the show next week to talk about Symbol, how it started, and kind of the history and where he plans to go with it. I think it'll be a really cool topic. So make sure you tune into that one. But for today, you know, we've got topics of my own that I came up with that I feel like are very uh, fitting for the times in a couple different scenarios. You know, right now it's very cold where I live. It's November. And usually when it's cold, I don't want to go outside. And I usually love being outside. Summer's been all about that, traveling and hiking and doing all these things. Well, winter months are for video games. That is kind of the way I live. When it's wintertime, I play video games. That's how I kind of wind down after a long day at work. So we'll talk about some video games and some of the cool things about them. And then also why chemistry is probably more important than talent when it comes to sports. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump right into this episode nine of Underdog Mentality. Let's go. Man, the more I think about it, I cannot believe that it's already November. You know what I mean? I feel like the last two years, at least a year and a half and beyond, has gone by so quickly because of COVID you know, and all the stay-at-home orders and all that, I feel like it made time just fly by. And, you know, there's good things to that and there's bad things to that. But one thing I know that I've done in, in the time of COVID and also in the especially the winter months is play a lot of video games. And I'm not going to lie, this is probably the first year in a very long time where I'm not super-duper jonesing to play some video games right now. Usually by November, I have the PlayStation fired up at all times. It's in rest mode. I get home from work. I hit the menu button to turn it on, and I'm, I'm gaming again as soon as work's over. But I do have a lot of side projects going on and a lot of other things I have to do. And so I, I literally have my PlayStation sitting next to me in my backpack. Ironically enough, if you know me, this is funny, but I have it in my Xbox backpack that I got for free 
when I bought my first console in college. I bought the Modern Warfare 2 edition of the Xbox 360, and it came with this backpack, and that's part of the reason why I did it, because I had all, got all this free stuff. But anyway, it's sitting right next to me in this backpack. I actually have some things pulled out of it, like some like a headset, my controllers, and random stuff as I've needed to grab things out of there over the over the months. But it's currently staring at me, and it's the colder months. And I'm like, man, is tonight the night that I plug this thing into my TV here in the office space where I've got the podcast studio set up and just I, I hunker down in here for the next four months, five months? You know, the, the winter months in Idaho can be very, very long. And you know what? There's I don't think there's really any shame in that and playing some video games because they are a lot better than what they you were made out to be in the media in the past. You know, growing up, it was there was a lot of talk about video games uh, being promotion to violence and things of that nature. And if you're asking me, you know, I played a lot of uh, you know 007 on the N64, but we played slap mode only. You know, big head mode, paintball mode and slap mode, or slap chops only. Those were some of the funnest times playing video games. And sure, yeah, there's violence involved, but that's not what we're focused on. We're not like, yeah, let me see how hard I can slap you. No, it's more like, hey, I'm it, I'm having a, a fun time going around trying to slap my friends while they're trying to slap me. Like how, you know, obviously this is one very elementary example of violence in video games. But what I'm trying to get at is when we're playing these games, it's not about violence it's more about the competition and trying to be good at it and trying to be better than everybody else that we're playing against and honestly i think that's probably what the most addictive thing about video games is at least to me you know i i'll tell you what my my video game lineup looks kind of like this i have one to maybe two first person shooter games and those usually revolve around battlefield call of duty and that's pretty much it for my first-person shooters. Beyond that, I usually have one or two sports games in in rotation, and most of the time that's NBA 2K. Uh, it's been a very long time since I've owned a Madden game, and I think it's just about time. But I always hate getting into a game so late. You know, they that game came out before the season started, and it's you know we're like what like week ten coming up, so it's kind of hard to want to get a game where things are based off of things about 10 weeks ago. I feel like I'd be starting way behind the pack and that's just not fun. Beyond that, I have, you know, a couple of arcade games that I play. So like, you know, Rocket League, that's a great one, a great combination of sport, arcade cars, you know, first person driving and turbo boosting and through the air, trying to make some goals. I think that's some pretty classic form of entertainment when it comes to video games. But I do still have some other arcade games like Fall Guys, which is a really great party game. Um, And I also play some Minecraft here and there. But really, that's about my library. It's literally like five or six games. But anyways, I just think it's so crazy how back when I was growing up, uh, there was so much focus around the violence in video games. It was never a focus on the positive because I guess people, you know, parents especially thought that, uh, you know, video games were just a big waste of time. They were not good for you in any way, shape, or form. But then the research kind of switched on, and people were looking at ways uh, that where video games are actually good. They're great for your hand-eye coordination. They're great for your motor skills. And there's actually a ton of problem-solving in video games. You know, every every game has a story mode, it seems like, and the whole object is to get through the map, you know, reach certain goals, try to go for some achievements that are kind of hard to get, and make you really think about how to do it strategically. So, I mean, games today, I feel like, are, are a lot more complex than they used to be back in the day in terms of entertainment and uh, 
playability. I feel like there's so many different modes in every game now, especially the big ones like Call of Duty and NBA 2K and Madden. And those are the ones that I mentioned because they're the ones I play, but also Battlefield. You have a story mode, you have a you know, a multiplayer mode, and then you have the battle royale mode for everything these days. Um, so it's great for entertainment, but it's also really good for developing certain skills that you can use in other places of life. I think video games have a, a that same competitive aspect that sports do in some ways, because there is a skill to it. It's more of a mental game than it is a physical game, uh, which is kind of what I say about bowling when I go on Friday nights. But there is something about video games that is bigger than just a game. Pretty much every game that you look at that's in mainstream media probably has some sort of competitive aspect to it. I mean, I know there's a ton of Call of Duty tournaments. There's a lot of NBA 2K tournaments and stuff like that. It's even Madden, you know. But on top of that, there are professional teams based around these games now. Uh, Back in like 2018 when the NBA 2K League started out, it just made it feel like I was that much closer to being able to be a professional at something other than, you know, being a graphic designer or a web designer, but being a professional in video games. You never, growing up, you never think that that's going to be the case, but now it's totally a thing. There are so many people out there making a living off of playing video games and things that are supposed to be just mere forms of entertainment. And I just find that interesting because the, you know, the sports world is kind of that, that way too. It's looked at as mostly a form of entertainment, but then there are people making money off of it who aren't even a part of it. I think what it comes down to as far as video games being such a commodity uh, in the digital landscape, it's really just supply and demand. You know, people are wanting to watch people play the games that they play and watch them do it well. So there's things like Twitch, you know, that, that really put those people on display and people can broadcast to YouTube and show off their, their abilities in certain games. And there are people who play those games who watch those things and they feel attached to it even more because other people play it who that they idolize maybe. Uh, but they can also glean information off of them and grow and become better at this game or this, this thing that they're pursuing. It's really like any other skill. But when it, you know, it's kind of funny thinking about video games being a competitive atmosphere. I mean, it is by nature, you know, that that's human nature. Things are designed to be competitive in certain ways, but it makes me think of the, you know, the documentary Michael Jordan put out on Netflix recently, the last dance, how it's like, you know, X, Y, and Z happened. And I took that personal. And <laughs> I don't know why I think of that when it comes to this. I just think it's, you know, video games have always been just like this. Oh, I'm going to go home, and play some video games, whatever. But now it's like, Oh, you don't think video games are good for you? Well, check this out. And now it's like one of the biggest like industries in our digital age. I mean, just looking at some basic stats off of the Google search here in 2017, the video game industry was at $108 billion. That is insane. And that was four years ago. To think about how far it has come now, especially with a you know, COVID year and a half, COVID two years going on. Uh, I feel like there's been a lot more video gaming happening because people are forced to stay inside or choose to stay inside. And so what else do you do to pass your free time? Well, let's hop online and play some video games. Uh, so, and that's a whole different story for another day. You know, video games are a competitive thing uh, in, in a lot of facets, but they're also a very community-oriented thing where you can get online and play with your friends and uh, you know, pl- make new friends. I think there are, there's so much more to video games than people see. And it's kind of the same view that I have on sports. You know, people who, who are like, oh, I don't like sports. And I'm like, well, let me try to convince you because I, I'm sure there's something about the game 
or any sport, you know, when I say the game, I mean just sports in general, I'm sure that I can find something that you can relate to when it comes to sports. And I feel like video games are on a very similar level here. But I do want to get back to the competitive aspect of video games because it's something that I have tried, I I have participated in to some extent, and I think it's very eye-opening. It's also kind of humbling. It's like, oh yeah, I think I'm pretty decent at this game, and then you you hop into the competitive side of it, and you're like, oh damn, there are kids and not kids on this platform who put a lot of time into this, and it shows. <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind is Rocket League. That's probably like the first time that I've ever participated in a competitive tournament in any game ever, and it was so like the en- entry level to get into this this tournament was so easy. It's just like, well, you go sign up and you put in the gamer tags of the friends you want to be on your team and they get an email. They, they go to their email, they accept that request. And then, you know, when the game comes up, you, you just turn on the game. Like you normally do. You go to the waiting room and they, they put you into a match with some strangers and you're off and running and they put it into a bracket format. And obviously if you win, you move on, but it's like a best of three format. So it's not just like you, you lose a game and you're out. You get a little more excitement out of it than that. Uh, but well, you know, pretty much every time we played, we would get destroyed in these tournaments because people were just a lot better than us. And I feel like this battle Royale aspect that's coming out with every single video game is highly competitive. You know, you want to be the team that ends up on top, but it's also very team oriented. You can do solo matches, but some of the funnest stuff I've ever played is when I do like, you know, with, with two or three of my other friends, we go hop into a battle, battle Royale and you're trying to come out on top. There's a lot of communication involved and strategy, trying to figure out what kind of uh, tasks you want to try to go complete to get some cash. And then, of of course, there's many different game modes you can play too. But that competitive thing is what keeps you coming back. It's like, oh, one more match. You know what? Oh, no, one more match. And you always want to end up doing a little bit better on your last match so you feel good going to bed. Because if you just go in and you die both times, you you go into the gulag and you you die, uh, your whole team just dies. Nobody wants to end a night like that. So you're like, all right, fire up another match. Let's get this thing going. Let's get at least one kill each, you know? So I think, again, uh, this could be another topic for another day. uh, But I do think video games have a lot more to them than just being entertaining. They are competitive. It's a team. It can be a team sport. There's a lot of communication involved, but it's also a community. And maybe that's something we can talk about later on. And you know what? One thing that's really good to have as a team when you're playing video games is chemistry. And that's what I want to talk about next. But let's take a quick time out and hear some words from our sponsors. All right, now back to our regularly scheduled podcast here. So to jump into the second half of the show, I always like to answer the question from last week. That question was, if you could play any position in any sport, what position would it be and why? Now, I didn't receive any any submissions for this episode, but I'll go ahead and answer the question myself. So if I could play any position in any sport, what would it be? It would be running back in American football. And that's because when I was younger, I played a lot of pickup football games with my, my older brothers and all my neighborhood friends. We'd always get together in my big front yard that I had growing up, and we'd play pickup five-on-five games. And, you know, we'd have a quarterback, we'd have receivers, we'd have a running back. And we'd even draw up plays on our hand. We'd go have a huddle, we'd turn around, and we, you know, draw a play up like you're going to do do this route, you're going to do that route, and that's kind of how I learned the game of football a little bit. Uh, but then when we got a little bit older and we had enough friends and enough people, we would go over to the elementary school just a block away from my house, 
and we would play pickup games at the elementary school, like in the football field or the uh, soccer field, I guess it was. But those those days were a lot of fun. You know, I really enjoyed that. It's really how I picked up a lot of the nuances in the game of football. While playing as a young kid, I realized that I was really fast, very agile, and I could shift around and get squeezed through people, uh, you know, in between two people. And, uh, you know, I was small. for When I was younger, I was really small. I, I remember being like 3'6", like 40 pounds, and speedy. I was, I was untouchable sometimes. And that's not me gloating or bragging. That's just how it was. You could ask my brothers. Ask all my friends. It's how it was. And a game that we would like to play when we didn't have enough people to play a game, we would play the kick return game where basically we'd each take turns like, you know, getting to return a kick. So there'd be like four of us and we'd have three people down at one end and they would kick the ball to the one person and all three of them had to come after the one person while they tried to run it back for a touchdown. And I happened to squeeze through people and juke and spin and, you know, all those things. And I'd get to the end zone on the other side and it was just like, uncanny i don't know what it was but i i loved that thrill of trying to get away from multiple people you know when you feel like you like you know you're being chased and it speeds you up even more i feel like i had that when i was younger and it was a lot of fun and you know all through grade school i was playing ymca basketball that was my main thing i played ymca soccer too like indoor soccer really enjoyed those things but i was like you know what i want to try out football and my friend cruz uh who is actually going to be my barber. I don't know if you listen to this show, man, but uh, huge props to this guy. Uh, He recently got his license to be a barber, and he's working, doing the thing he loves to do, and I can't be happier for him. I've never had my hair cut by him yet, uh, but while I was in Richmond, Virginia for my buddy Charlie's wedding, I went to a barber for the first time, and I freaking loved it. And So I cannot wait to go get my hair cut by Cruz, uh, this kid I grew up with, you know. And anyways, he played... For the like the grid kid football team in like fifth grade, uh, what was it? Yeah, I think it was fifth grade, where he's like, "Hey man, why don't you just come with me to practice?" And after practice, uh, we can ask the coach if you can join the team. And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, let's do it." And so I, I believe I went there with his parents and him, and they dropped him off for practice. And I just kind of sat there on the bleachers and watched. You know, I was like nine years old or something like that. Like, I think I think that's how old we were. I don't really remember, but. It was vivid enough that I remember these details. So practice ends and the coach comes over to me and him and Cruz had told his coach like, Hey, my friend wants to see if he can join the team. And he's like, okay, yeah, let's go, let's go meet him. So coach comes over and he's like, Hey, what's your name? I'm like, hi, I'm Kyle. And he's like, Hey Kyle, how much do you weigh? And I was like, 40 pounds. And he's like, Oh, you know what? You might want to go try the fourth grade team. And I was like, I was devastated, you know, as a, as a what, nine year old? A nine, I think, telling me to go try the fourth grade team and there's nobody around to help me do that. I was just like, what? What do you mean? And, and you know, he's he's like, yeah, you need to be a little bit bigger to play on the fifth grade team. And I'm like, but I'm in fifth grade. And he's like, yeah, you're, you're too small. And so I was in, like just forever turned off about playing football because I always thought that I was too small. And who, what kind of coach says like doesn't give you the chance you know who doesn't even try to help you out like that 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 was just such a I, I wish I could know who that coach was so I could talk to him today and be like why didn't you give me a chance why didn't you like help me out in joining the fourth grade team if that's what you really thought was good for me you know what I mean and looking back on it I'm like wow that guy did not care about what he was doing 
So anyways, fast forward, I'm going through middle school and high school and I'm going to all the football games and stuff and I'm watching people play the game of football and I'm like, man, I really wish I had got into football when I was younger because I feel like I could have been a really good running back. I would, like, would destroy my friends playing pickup games and I wonder what I could have done if I was on a field with pads, you know, and that one coach shutting me down really, really shut me down. So if I could play any position in any sport, it would be a running back for an American football team. All right, that was a very long-winded answer to that question, but I love telling stories like that because I feel like it's so interesting, and uh, that was a good one. You know, that that one impacted me for a very long time in many different ways. Uh, so that's a great answer to that question. Now, the question for next week's episode is, what team is bad right now, or maybe not the best, but could be one of the best teams in a few years. And I realize I'm leaving that one very open-ended. I'm planning this question for the episode next week when we have when we have Kenneth Giles on, the CEO and founder of Symbol, the sports stock market exchange. So think about that one. What team is not the best team now, but in a few years they might be a force to be reckoned with? I think I already have my answer to that question, but I can't wait to see what Kenneth has to say next week. All right, so to bring it back to the first segment of the show, we were talking about video games and how they have a lot more of an impact than just being a game and being entertaining. Well, I also talked about the NBA 2K League and how that started up uh, and teams formed around you know actual NBA teams. They even have uh, their players move to the city where they are formed. Well, anyways, when that started off, back in 2018, I was really getting serious about reporting on the NBA 2K League it was so brand new. I saw an opportunity to cover an eSports league where nobody else has been covering it yet. And so I, I had a website, I had a platform to start doing this. And so I started covering NBA 2K League content. And well, they had the number one draft pick in the NBA 2K League of all time, the first one ever. Uh, he goes by the name Dimes. And he's known for just putting up a ton of assists in games. Uh, well, anyways, he was on a Twitch stream with Team Coco. Team Coco is Conan O'Brien's sort of a media squad. And there's this guy who does live video game streams with people and interviews them. It's sort of a facet of the Conan O'Brien brand, if you could. I guess, I guess that's what you could call it. Well, anyways, Dimes was on one of these shows and he's playing against this host of the show. And uh, in the stream, you can be asking questions in the chat and stuff. If, if you've ever been a part of a Twitch stream, you know what I'm talking about. And at the time, you know, I was very into trying to get news from people for this league, uh, which became very, very exhausting very quickly. And that's why I kind of dropped it like it was hot. Um, it was hot. And that's it was, it, was, it was a lot of work is what it was. But anyways, in the chat, I asked a question. I said, you know, what would, what would be the biggest challenge in getting to the NBA 2K League Championship? And he just said, just being ourselves, getting to know each other and building team chemistry. Go out there and play and not cracking under pressure. And this really speaks to the title of this episode saying that chemistry rules talent. And what I mean by that is you can have a team full of superstars and super well-credentialed players in any sport or any anything really, people full of talent, but you don't really start to succeed until you can work well together. I feel like the story 
that usually happens is you get a bunch of people who are very good at what they do and their ego gets in the way because they know how good they are and they don't, they, they're not willing to work with each other, not willing to, to compromise, to, you know, let their team kind of rise to the occasion. Instead, they'd rather take over and do all the work themselves. So I really think it's when you've got players who have a good amount of talent, but they are willing to work with one another and develop that chemistry that, that, uh, you know, that communication and the understanding of how, each person has a job. They, they each have a role on the team. And finding out what those roles are, honestly, and communicating those with one another can be so huge when it comes to a team's success. I mean, in NBA 2K League, if we're going to go back to the example I brought up with Dimes, you know, when you're playing a video game like that, you have headsets on, you're talking to your friends, and it's a five-on-five -five game. You can imagine there's a lot of voices happening. Think about that. Like, you'd probably have to have one person who's, like, the main contact or, like, the main, uh, the primary communicator who's sort of running the offense. And I imagine that would have been dimes, but you could see in the live streams that a lot of them are kind of talking at certain times. You know, obviously if a guy is wide open, he's going to call for the ball. So he'd say, you know, hit square or hit triangle, whatever. And he would do a hot pass straight to him. But I feel like in a game like that, the point guard especially would be kind of running the coach's game plan. Like, Hey, all right, let's, let's run a screen to the right. Let's, you know, screen away, do a back cut, you know, whatever it is. And then the point guard's communicating like, all right, I'm going to go in three, two, go. And he tells the guy to go. So, you know, that's an, an idea of what leadership can look like, I guess, from a point guard in NBA 2K League perspective. But then team chemistry is understanding the cadence and knowing when to to jump the gun. Or not jump the gun, but knowing when to, to execute the offense rather than uh, going too early or going too late or being too lazy about it. And this applies to pretty much every sport. And the reason I'm on this topic is because I'm thinking about my my Los Angeles Lakers and how they are such a stacked team. And in the offseason, I had uh, my good buddy Charlie reach out to me, and he was like, I'm sorry, Kyle, but I just cannot respect what the Lakers are doing right now. They're stacking their team up, and I don't like it. It's not the way that basketball should be done. And I'm like, you know what? I totally see where you're coming from. And, you know, in the moment, I'm like, I can't be too mad about it. I mean, it's my team getting all these awesome players. But I do remember actually mentioning that I'm not sure it's going to work out because it's a bunch of superstars with huge egos, and they're all going to want to try to take over and win the game for the team. And that's shown to be true when the Lakers come down to the last minutes of a game. I mean, just recently, Russell Westbrook jacking up three-pointers. He's not particularly one of the best three-point shooters, especially on the team. There's other players that can shoot better than him. Probably AD can shoot better than him from three. Uh, you know, I'm not going to pull up the stats or anything, but he was missing everything. You know, the Lakers had a solid lead going into the second half, uh, and in the fourth quarter, they got close, and he just kept jacking up shots and missing. They weren't running the ball through the offense, uh, and I feel like that really hurt them. And since then, the only thing that Russell Westbrook's really been good at is kind of facilitating the team. He hasn't been scoring all that much. He shoots a lot, though, too, which is kind of my, my problem with it. He shoots a lot. He doesn't make a lot. Carmelo Anthony used to be that way throughout his career. I feel like he is an overrated guy, and that's a, co a conversation for another day. But, you know, he's actually been making his shots. And, you you know, you, you make some, you miss some. But I think the entire first 10 games of the season, Russell Westbrook hasn't really shown an impact in the way that we know that he can have an impact on a team. And I think it's all because of chemistry. They have players who are all very, very good. I mean, Anthony Davis, this dude, 
is insanely talented. Obviously, you have LeBron James. You can't forget that guy. He's like an all-around player. He can really adapt to any offense, but you know he wants his touches too. Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook, DeAndre Jordan, Dwight Howard, and you know the list goes on. Rajon Rondo. These are all guys who are championship caliber teams, multiple rings amongst them, multiple MVPs, and you just can't help but think that their ego is going to get in the way of trying to work as a team. Because let's be honest, Russell Westbrook, he averaged a triple-double on a season, didn't he? That's something that you know, just a facilitating player doesn't do. I feel like him coming to the Lakers, he, he's got to have his own team. Then again, he is getting older. You know, Maybe they took that into account. But he wants to be the guy on the team, but he's not in the point in his career where he can continue doing that with the same athleticism. You have LeBron James, who's like a floor general, wants to run the floor. Rajon Rondo is the same kind of way. Uh, so I feel like they have a lot of conflicting roles on the team. And I think that really does mess with the chemistry because chemistry, they can't get their team into a flow. They can't get their office, offense moving all that smoothly. On defense, they're kind of all over the place. Uh, and it's, it's it, as a fan, it's really hard to watch. But I feel like also as a fan, we can sit from our couch and be like, ah, this, that, and the other. And, you know, that's probably true from what I'm saying too. But then again, I mean, there's clearly a chemistry problem and there needs to be some communication to the people on the team who are having issues, ways to smooth it over, how to adapt to the situation to make it better. The really high chemistry teams that I think of when it, when you know I think of uh, you know sports history, at least the history that I know, I've never been a sports history buff at all. But the teams that I can think of off the top of my head are like the Spurs teams from the 2000s when they had Mono Ginobili, Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, shoot, maybe David Robinson. Mario Ellie, Sean Elliott, a lot of these players who are all just very good at their roles. Tony Parker was a great facilitator. Manu Ginobili is a good all-around guy, very shifty, could finish layups, but he could also shoot, could pass. Tim Duncan, Mr. Fundamentals, good at getting the offense going, setting hard screens. And, you know, David Robinson is just a beast down low, getting rebounds. So all those guys had, like, very specific roles, I feel like, on that team. Uh, another team I think of is the Golden State Warriors when they were on their hot streak with, obviously, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Dray- uh, Draymond Green. Oh, shoot, there's there's so many guys. Like Harrison Barnes was on that team, Andre Godala. And all these guys are just kind of rising to the occasion. Curry's obviously a creator in all, all facets of the word. Klay Thompson is a straight-up shooter. And, you know, if Curry's not open, he can dribble around and find somebody else who is open. And his speed can get himself open when he doesn't have the ball. Then you've got, you know, Harrison Barnes, who's just a hustle man. Draymond Green, same way, very physical. He's an agitator. Uh, Andre Godala, very strong defensive player. So there's not really a ton of clash. Like, I feel like Curry and Klay Thompson are a good one-two punch when it comes to the three-point line. But they have skills beyond that. Like, Klay Thompson can move without the ball and get open. Steph Curry's got the quickness, the passing ability, and the eyes on the back of his head. Uh, I feel like there's not really any one player on that team that overlapped too much in skill that their chemistry could get messed up. So their ball movement was amazing. And, man, everything they did just looked like a well-oiled machine. It was so fun to watch, and it still is. Cannot wait for Klay Thompson to come back. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. I just love his demeanor. I love his his form, his shot, and his humility. Humility? Is that the word? His humbleness? He's very humble. You know, he doesn't really talk too much smack, but when he gets when things get heated, he does say some things, but he's pretty muted. 
overall, just in general, kind of a dry guy. <laughs> but you know how they say that teamwork makes the dream work? I think what that really comes down to, it's it's actually really, really great team chemistry, understanding one another on and off the court so you know each other's tendencies, what you like, what you don't like, how you like to play, how you don't like to play, uh, your favorite spots on the floor, you know, things like that that I, I feel like when you know those things, you can play to the comfortability of a player, you can play to each player's strengths, and it really shows when a team's clicking like that, and it's always very fun to watch because you know it's like just being executed to perfection at the highest level you know, in that sport, whatever it may be. Oh man, what a good episode today. I actually really love the topics that we covered today. However, I do feel like I am freestyling a little bit too much when it comes to these podcast episodes. I do put them together kind of last minute sometimes, and I only hit the main head points and then just freestyle off of those, and it makes me repeat myself and maybe don't cover the topic in the fullest way that I know I can. So I'm going to be try to be better moving forward. Just know that I recognize that. I appreciate you all listening, though. And before we get out of here, I just want to encourage everybody to go over to Symbol and create an account. Just make sure when you make your first deposit, uh, use promo code ABSTRACT. It'll give you a $10 deposit bonus to help you build your portfolio. Basically, you can go uh, invest in virtual shares of your favorite teams. When they win, you can earn some payouts. And uh, if they lose, nothing happens. You just keep that same value. And over the long term, if your team gets better and better, the value of that team will go up and up. And you can cash out and make some make some money on the platform. So just go over to symbol.app. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P as an application slash abstract to create a free account. And just when you deposit, make sure you use the promo code abstract. You'll get a $10 deposit. Deposit. I say that every single time. $10 deposit to get your portfolio started. All right. Well, everybody, that does it for episode nine of Underdog Mentality. I'm Kyle Clay Richards, and thank you for taking a minute to listen. I hope you enjoyed it. Actually, hope you enjoyed it a lot, so much to the point that you want to go subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. That could be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or whatever you like to listen to them on. If you have a topic suggestion or a question you'd like me to answer on the show, you can tweet me at kyleclay.com, spelled out, or go to abstractsports.com slash podcasts, and then fill out the form at the bottom of the page there. You can also follow Abstract Sports on all social media platforms. Just at Abstract Sports is the handle. That'll be Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram mainly. And with that, I think I'm going to head out of here. So I guess I'll just catch you guys in the next one.